Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. next week or the week after next absolutely absolutely because i'll make it happen amen but i'm going to finish either next week or the week the week after next in our series on god is a one and just and just to say too that sister mcgee isn't just going to go see sister carol but uh, my wife and i now for years have been in her uh, will and estate as being powers of attorney for sister carol schneider they came here years ago to church, and uh, they've never forgotten this church. In their time of traveling as a team on uh, the roads of, of uh, semi-truck driving, and even whenever they were in Missouri. And I thought we were going to be in a fix because the legal statement in the document says, Paul and Don McGee acting jointly, not individually. And I thought I was on a trip here too. But we, fi- we figured a little work around for it this time for what needs to be done. That might not be the case when things all come uh, to the end of, of the line. But be in prayer for Sister Carol. Uh, her health is poorly. That's the reason my wife, that necessitates all of this in action, uh, being powers of attorney. So remember her. Remember Brother Phil, too, because his, he's really not real well, his mind. Um, I don't know if we have an absolute diagnosis from a doctor, but he's suffering like from dementia type of things. And so if anything happens to her, we got to get him back here. And so there's a lot of stuff. There'll be a whirlwind of events if something happens that you pray for us because we'll have a lot of stuff going on. Amen. But that's just virtue. It's just as though if they never had any children. And uh, they, she accounted Don and I as more family than some of the family she had. And so with that being said, we're going to take care of them just as though they were our parents. Uh, see that their best interest is in mind and taken care of. Amen. So please remember them. Also remember, I forgot to mention the McClellan family uh, from South Gibson who has been a part of that church basically from inception forward uh, has passed away. And uh, so that's a big uh, matriarch, if you will, of their assembly. They had visitations tonight, funerals tomorrow. I'm going to try to make it uh, to the funeral she was a part of my life whenever we all went over the church there. Remember her greatly, has a great impact on that church. Many generations of people that have filtered through that church. She has remained, even with the different leadership that have transitioned over the years. She has been there through every last single one. And so uh, she's a, it's been a precious lady over the years to that assembly. So remember the McClellan family as they lay to rest. Amen. Her tomorrow. I'm sorry for having you stand for so long. And I'll try to be parents. I'll try to be mindful. I know school's in session, so that 8.30 hours is a little more meaningful now than what it was in the summertime. And, you know, we sent our kids to school today, and my life, my wife left. You know, so I'm doing mom and dad duties, cooking, a water, a bottle washer. I did, uh, before I came to church tonight, I folded three loads of laundry, put one in the washer. So I understand it. I understand it. Amen. I don't just do that when she's gone, Sister Sharon. I do that whenever she's there, too, just to let you know. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. 
The Bible states these words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Echad is in the Hebrew, and Brother Mason's up there verifying every word. Amen. Thank God for him. Tonight, I want to talk here part four about Jesus, the man, or the God-man, if I can say it like that. Jesus, the God-man. Amen. We'll get into this a little bit more here this evening. Father, I come to you tonight so grateful, Lord, for being here. God, we're conscious, Lord Jesus, tonight of you. Lord, your presence, our reason, Lord God, for gathering together here tonight, Lord, is ultimately, Father, you. God, I pray, oh, Lord, that you would give us understanding. God, mark every bit of error, Lord God, from my mouth. Help me, Lord, to speak with clarity. God, the words of life, Lord Jesus, that are contained in this book. Lord, and we'll thank you and praise you for what you accomplish in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated in Jesus' name. Just as a real brief little introduction or uh, review of last week, and I'm going to try to keep it brief. Last week we talked about the pre-existence of Jesus Christ as a thought, as a purpose or a plan that was realized and revealed in the man Christ Jesus in Bethlehem's manger, actually in flesh and blood. Remember that the only eternal thing about Jesus was the spirit that was in Christ. Jesus was the begotten son, so he literally had a beginning, and he was not an eternal entity in the fleshly sense, only in the sense of the thought and the plan of God. We left off talking about how the exact moment that the son was begotten or brought into the world is whenever angels worshipped him. We uh, went to Hebrews 1, verses 5 through 6, and I don't know if you guys even have these. I don't know if Brother Zach, okay, sent them on to you or not. But in Hebrews 1, and verse number 5, the Bible says, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. These, this was toward the close of our lesson last week. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. God had never done that to any of the angels. It says in verse 6, and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, uh, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. That whenever that first begotten is brought into the world, all the angels of God will worship him. And we spoke out in Luke 2 that, there were, whenever there were shepherds watching over their flock at night, and the angel of the Lord came to them and said that uh, there was in the city of David in Bethlehem, there was a Savior that was born, even Christ the Lord, that there was a multitude of angels that joined in that host. So glory to God in the highest, uh, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And there was a worship, if you will, and a praise that began to take place because Jesus in his flesh had his beginning in Bethlehem's manger. But furthermore... Hebrews clearly tells us, I believe it is in verse 4 of that same chapter, that the angels were told to worship the Son, Jesus Christ, when he's brought into the world because Jesus was made better than the angels, verse number 4 tells us, and that Jesus was given a name uh, by inheritance that was more excellent than the angels. Amen. And yet Jesus tells, so here, here is uh, the angels is to worship him when he came into the world, and yet in all of this, Jesus tells the woman at the well in John 4 that the Father is seeking true worshipers to worship the Father 
in spirit and truth. All right? So the Bible says in Hebrews that whenever Jesus would come to the world, that the angels will worship him. Jesus says in John 4 that the Father is seeking true worshipers to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Bible says, John 4 and verse 23, but the hour, this is Jesus speaking, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seek of such to worship him. God is a spirit, verse 24, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so what John 4, 23 and 24 seems to explain to us is that, note it here, is that true worship is the worship of the Father. True worship is the worship of the Father. Yet Hebrews says whenever Jesus is born, angels even should worship him. Right? So, so in Hebrews, God has the angels worshiping Jesus Christ. In John, Jesus explains true worshipers are those that worship the Father. For that matter, I'm just building along here. For that matter, when angels were worshipped by men, it happened, men, men has attempted to worship angels. Whenever they were worshipped by men, the angels' response to the man or men was, don't worship us, worship God. The Bible says in Revelation 19 and 10, John receiving his vision and his, his revelation, he was oft times spoken to by an angel. And the Bible says, and I, that's John saying I, fell at his feet, speaking of the angel's feet that spoke to him, feet to worship him. And he said, the angel said unto me, see thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. And so whenever someone attempted to worship an angel, the angel says, worship God. In, John, in Revelation 22, verse 8 and 9, the Bible says, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. When I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which shewed me these things. Then saith he unto me, that is, the angel said unto him, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets of them which keep the saying of this book. Look at the last two words, worship God. So the angels don't receive any worship. They say, worship God. But also in Scripture, there are different times in the Word of God that men tried to worship other men. Yeah. Uh, wrongfully, they tried to worship other men, and they gave similar replies. The Bible says in the book of Acts, Acts 14, that whenever Paul and Barnabas entered into a certain city and there had been a miracle done through them, but by God, that these people came out mistaken Paul and Barnabas as false gods. They thought one was Mercurius and the other one was Jupiter. And they came unto them. They thought their gods, pagan gods, had came in the likeness of men. And as they came, they came with a sacrifice because they were going to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods. But Paul and Barnabas, knowing that was incorrect, they said, hey, we're men just like you are men. And they urged the people. They said, hey, turn from these vanities, even the false gods. Don't be worshiping us. Worship the living God. Right? And so angels said, nope, worship God. Don't worship us. Men said, hey, don't be worshiping us. Worship God. But when Jesus walked among you and I in a human body, and people worshipped him. Nothing said. Nothing said. Nothing said by him. As a matter of fact, the only time there was ever anything said 
was whenever it was those that didn't understand or had the revelation that God had come in the form of a man named Jesus Christ. The only time anybody ever raised their hand are those that didn't, those that didn't realize that Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh or that God was in Christ, that God had manifested himself in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Amen? So they, they realized there's nothing sad because remember Jesus Christ, God who is spirit plus flesh equals Jesus Christ. In John 5, 23, Jesus is speaking, and Jesus says that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Now, what this is speaking of, it's not speaking about, this is not giving honor to two separate persons or entities, God the Father and God the Son. But this is giving honor, if you will, to two functions and operations. If I might even state a little bit more plainer, all men should honor God, who is the Father of creation, in His incarnation, which means God is in flesh, as the man Jesus Christ. They should honor Him in His incarnation, in the flesh, in the name and the person of Jesus Christ. And that's true. Colossians 3.17 bears that out for us. That whatsoever we do in word or deed, that we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by who? Him. Who's Him? Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, you're, you're going you're gonna to... Whatever you do in word or deed, that includes our worship. That includes anything that we do. We do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because we give thanks unto God. And it says, and the Father. That word can also be interpreted in the Greek even as the Father, which God is. But nevertheless, even as the Father by Jesus Christ. Amen. That whenever they worship Jesus, they were worshiping God. Whenever it says that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father, it means as you're honoring the Father, you're honoring the Son. Everybody okay? Do I need to get out the board? Is everybody all right? So if we're going to worship God as the Father of creation, God who is spirit, we must worship God as the Father of creation, in the name and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that wasn't idolatry. That wasn't people worshiping a man because Jesus Christ was more than just a man. He was God also in that man. He was God plus that flesh. And so as we honor the Father function and the Father role, of God, we do so by or through the name and the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see this over and over again in the New Testament scripture that we give thanks or we give worship to God through Jesus Christ. And I got several verses, and so uh, I'm not going to put them up there because we'd be here all night, okay? But I'll make a reference and just give you a little. Uh, excerpt if you will of the scripture Romans 1 and 8 first I thank my God through Jesus Christ 
Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13.15, by him, it's speaking of Jesus Christ, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. We're offering it to God, but it's taking place by him. Jesus Christ. First Peter 2 5, offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. First Peter 4 and verse 11, God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Now folks, all of this is possible. The reason why nothing had to be said whenever there was worship that was seemingly being made to Jesus Christ because again, we know over and over again Colossians 2, 9 for in him, Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. And so there's no problem. Uh, you know, we have some of we still sing some of the old hymns and they're great. You know why? Because some of the old hymns have very good biblical roots. Amen. There's one in particular that I think does real well with this Jesus, the God-man factor, and that is down from his glory. I'm going to read just a few of the, 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 the verses of that old hymn. Down from his glory, ever-living story, my God and Savior came. And Jesus was his name. Born in a manger to his own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. What a condescension, bringing us redemption, that in the dead of night, not one faint hope in sight, God, gracious, tender, laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo, to win, to save my soul. Without reluctance, flesh and blood, his substance, he took the form of man, revealed the hidden plan. Oh, glorious mystery. Sacrifice of Calvary. And now I know thou art the great I am. And the Course says, oh, how I love him. How I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior. And all God's fullness dwelleth in him. That is a marvelous summation of Jesus Christ being the God-man, the creator becoming your savior, the creator becoming your redeemer. A change of operation, a change of function, yes. God went from being the father of creation down to be the son of redemption and savior for you and I. Amen. Some places, Jesus Christ was worshiped. We see it through scripture. Some places where people worship Jesus, they were found in the scripture. The Bible says, again, just references Matthew 2, 11, that wise men came and worshiped him while he was still in the house of Mary and Joseph. In Matthew 8 and 2, a leper came and worshiped Jesus Christ. In Matthew 9, 18, a ruler came and worshiped Jesus Christ. In Matthew 14, 33, the disciples worshiped Jesus Christ. Matthew 15, 25, a woman of Canaan came and worshiped Jesus Christ. Matthew 20 and verse 20, a mother, it was actually the mother of the sons of Zebedee and her two sons came and worshiped Jesus Christ. Mark 5, a man with a legion of devils came and worshiped Jesus Christ. In John 9, a former blind man worshiped Jesus Christ. But nothing's being said, don't do that because Jesus Christ was God in 
flesh. But notice the difference. Angels, if you worship angels, you get an angel's response. You worship man, you get a man's response. But if you worship Jesus, you get a God response. No, because whenever the wise men worshipped him, the Bible says whenever they left, then they now mocked Herod because they had a change of view concerning who Herod was and what he was doing. Whenever the leper came and worshipped Jesus, he got a God response and he was cleansed from his leprosy from that moment forward. Whenever a ruler came and worshipped Jesus, he got a God response because he raised in that that man's dead daughter from the grave. When the disciples came, to Jesus in worship they got a God response in that same chapter because he calmed their storm when the woman of Canaan came to worship Jesus she got a God response because he cured her daughter of a devil that had grievously vexed her whenever the legion the man with the legion came to worship Jesus he got a God response because he delivered him of those devils and cast them out you understand what I'm saying? Whatever, all these other things, you get the response of whoever it is. But when they come to worship the Jesus Christ, they got a God response because Jesus Christ is God in flesh. He is humanity on one side, but he is divinity and divine on the other side. Someone say amen. And so when we look at the dual nature of Jesus Christ here tonight, let's ask ourselves a few questions. Again, these are references. We would have not had enough time in the night to go through every verse that I'm going through and read every one of them. Dual nature, Jesus Christ, the word of God. Who answers prayer? John 14, 14 says Jesus answers prayer. John 15, 16 says the Father answers prayer. Who has the drawing power? The Bible says in John 12, 32 that Jesus draws all men. In John 6, 44, it says the Father draws all men. Who is Alpha and Omega? Revelation 1, 8 says Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Revelation 21, 6 through 7 says the Father is the Alpha and the Omega. Who is the coming one? Who is the one to return? The Bible says in John 14, 3 that Jesus is the one to return. In 1 John 3, 1 through 2, it says the Father is the one that is to return. (laughs) These are not two persons of the Godhead answering prayer. These are not two persons of the Godhead that has a drawing power. This is one God who as father in creation came in flesh as the son of God, the redeemer of all mankind. And those that rubbed shoulders with him in his earthly ministry knew him as Jesus Christ. Jesus is spoken of as answering prayer because God, the creator of the universe. Someone hear me? Because God, the creator of the universe, the prayer answerer, is housed in that man. Amen. Jesus said in John 10, 30, Jesus says, I and my Father are one. Now this goes beyond being one in unity as though two people coming into agreement. There are three different words. I'm throwing a little language. I, I know, i got to preface that, sir. I just like... <gasps> Just throwing a little language at you. I've been doing that a lot here, and I'm, you know, whatever. But there are three words for one in the Greek. Here, the word for what used for one is the Greek word hen, just like it sounds, H-E-N, hen. Now, the, the, none of this means anything to you, but just let me get to it. It's used what's known in the neuter sense, which shows it's emphatic, which hen by itself just means alone. But whenever it's in the emphatic use, 
it literally translates like this, John 10, 30. I and my Father are one and the same. I'm not talking about just being one in unity, but talking about one as in one. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. What are you saying tonight? Let me, let me say it like this. My daughter could say that my father is a pastor. Or she could say Paul McGee Jr. is a pastor. Either way is correct, and either way she is speaking about one person with a name, but varied functions, operations, relationships to her. For that matter, Logan and Landon could say my father drives a truck, or my coach drives a truck, or Josh Johnson drives a truck. In any of those instances, once again, they're not construing another person when they talk about their coach or talk about their father or talk about Josh Johnson. They're talking about one person with one image and one name and one essence, whether he's operating as a father, as a coach, or otherwise. Someone say amen. Amen. Whenever it talks about that one in John 10, 30, that hen, it's the very same hen or same Greek word that's used in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, when it says, but these all work that worketh that one and the selfsame spirit. It's not a different. It's not a variety. It's one and the selfsame. It's, it's not another. It's the one and the selfsame. Someone say amen. At times, uh, apostolic Pentecostals have been accused of not believing in the Son of God. Might I say the flesh of God. But we believe, according to Luke 135, we believe that that holy thing that was born of Mary was the Son of God. We believe, I've already said it, let me hit a nail twice. We believe that the Son of God was made of a woman, according to Galatians 4 4. And since it was made of a woman, according to John 3 6, we believe that that thing that was born was flesh because she was flesh. However, we don't believe. The Son of God was God the Son. Meaning a separate, distinct person apart from God acting in the role as Father. We believe the flesh, the flesh, all right? The flesh, we believe the flesh that God the Father, might I say, indwelt was the Son of God. The fleshly part of Jesus Christ was the Son of God. It lived three, 33 and a half years lifespan in a body known to man. It died and it was resurrected. We believe in the Son of God. We, I believe exactly what the Scripture says concerning the Son of God. According to the Scriptures, again, just references a lot of Scripture. 1 John 4, 14 and John 13, 16 says the Son was sent. I believe the Son was commissioned as I spoke last week. We believe Hebrews 5, 8 that the Son learned. We believe John 17 that the Son prayed. We believe 1 John 1 and verse 7 that the Son had blood. We believe Galatians 2.20 that the Son died. And we believe Mark 14.32 that the Son knoweth not the hour of the second coming. <laughs> now isn't that something? Because there's some things that the man, the humanity, fleshly side of Jesus Christ did not know that the divine side of him did know. As a man, he didn't know the hour of the coming. But as the divine on God's side, amen, he knew the hour of his coming. As Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Luke 2, that he grew in stature and in wisdom. But as God, he was all-knowing from the very beginning before time ever began. Amen. In John 14, 28, Jesus as the Son of God, as humanity, the Bible says, is less great than the Father. That spirit that dwells inside him. But 
we see Jesus in his earthly ministry doing some of the very miracles that Isaiah prophesied that when you see the lame jumping as a heart and blind eyes being opened, Israel know this, your God is walking among you. They've seen Jesus do those things, amen, and yet the Bible says that the Son of God is less great than the Father. But the fact of the matter is that great God, though, was housed in that flesh. And so that's how the miracles took place. Not because of the flesh, but because of the divine spirit that was in that flesh. Jesus Christ, as a man, says this. The Father speaks of God that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. That's what Jesus said. Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Right? Look at it. John 14 and verse number 9. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? Yet hast thou not known me, Philip? Philip was basically told, Jesus said, Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus' response, Have I been this long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me, Jesus speaking, Son of God speaking, Thou hast seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, shew us the Father? Verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Now look back at verse number 9. He told Philip, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Jesus speaking, the Son of God speaking, saying, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. More plainly, if you've seen the Son of God, you've seen the Father. You've seen God the Father if you've seen the Son of God. The, he, the, the Greek word translated seen in verse 9, again, language is in the perfect tense, which means the phrase literally translated is, he that has seen me hath seen the very Father. Have seen the very Father. Furthermore, in verse number 10, when he says, I am in the Father and the Father uh, in me, the, the Greek word translated in, verse number 10, again, this is a bunch of language, I'm sorry, but I'll just give you the, the letting you know and then I'll tell you the meaning, is the date of meaning, which means it's locative or it's locative, which means this, I, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, am inside the Father. And the Father is inside me. The Son of God was in the Father, and the Father was inside the Son of God. Now, if we're talking about two persons, if we're talking about God the Father, as some speak, and God the Son, if we're talking about two persons, how can one person, for instance, God the Son, be in another person, God the Father? Or how can then God the Father be inside God the Son as a person at the same time? But when we understand that the Son of God being flesh can be in God the Father who is spirit, according to John 4, 24. Who Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 23, he's not afar off, but he's near, and that he fills all heaven and earth. That spirit fills all heaven and earth. Then that flesh can be in the Father. Someone hear me? As spirit. Everybody doing okay? I know. I'm, I'm getting a, a, a pulse that maybe I need to end next week because y'all might be regurgitating. That son, that son of God, which is flesh, can be in the Father who is spirit 
And at the same time, that spirit who is the father can be in the flesh, which is the son of God. To wit that God was in Christ or God was manifested in the flesh. But what they'll say, Brother Malone, is this. Well, if that's the case, the scripture only says in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 1 Timothy 3, 16, that God was in Christ or that God was manifested in the flesh. It didn't say the father was in Christ. I'm just saying what you'll hear. It doesn't say that the father was manifested in the flesh. But scripture tells me this is where we can't take a part of the counsel of God. We've got to take the full counsel of God. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 tells me, but there is one God, the father. It's telling me who God is. He is the Father. So if God was in Christ, the Father was in Christ. And so if God was manifested in the flesh, the Father was manifested in the flesh. Modern day society today believe this, that God the Son, who they believe existed since eternity long as flesh, came down into the flesh in Bethlehem's manger. That was God the Son that came down. Is everybody all right? But I know that God didn't send another individual to go to do the work that he wanted to do. He cared enough that God the Father came down himself in the form of flesh. Someone say glory. So there's some that say, of course, we don't believe in the Son of God. Others say all we believe about is Jesus. They're Jesus only people. We're not Jesus only. The old, the old, the old timers say we're not Jesus only. We're Jesus everything. We're Jesus everything. We're not just Jesus only. But the Bible says this. In 2 John 1 and verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. Hath not God. Now look at this. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ. He hath both the Father and the Son. Let's add another scripture to that. 1 John 2, 23. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. How? Because if you accept Jesus Christ, if you acknowledge Jesus Christ, God plus flesh equals Jesus Christ. If you accept Jesus Christ, you've accepted the Father because the Father indwelt the man, Christ Jesus. But if you deny him, you deny the other. Why? Because when you have seen me, you've seen the Father, the very Father. They are one and the same. We'll get into this next week and we'll unravel this. And I'm not quite done with this here, but we'll get into this next week because here's where the whole thing is. Here's where the whole thing, the, the Nicene Creed, the Constantinople thing of 325 and 381 that everybody's looking through their Bibles through, that they believe there, they do. You'll ask them, they believe there is one God. There is. They believe that there is one God, but he expresses himself in three distinct persons of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's what they believe. They'll tell you that. But here's where, here's where your approach needs to be, and we'll talk about this next week. They do not believe, though, that the Father is the Son and the Son is the Father, or that the Son is the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is the Son. They don't believe that the Father is the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is the Son. But I'll share with you next week scriptures that will show where the Father is the Son and the Son is the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is the Father. Because, see, that, that, that goes everywhere. We can talk. You talking about that Jesus Christ, amen, was both man and God doesn't do one thing concerning that other belief system. They agree that with that as well. They agree with that as well. But where the, the, the crux is this, they don't believe the Father was the Son. We'll talk about that more next week. That's just a little, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, a little commercial, a little thing 
you know, they throw it out there. Next week, come back because we're going to discuss. Blah, 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 blah. Isaiah 9 and 6. Anybody like Isaiah 9 and 6? Man, it's a great verse. We use it sometimes, you know, just off the hip, but it is truly a great verse. A great prophetic verse concerning Jesus Christ. For unto us a child is born, unto us is what? A son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. What? A son shall be the mighty God. But what's the next phrase? The everlasting. Son, we're already tearing down walls right here. Because that's telling me that the son that is to be born... The son that is to be born is to be the mighty God and consequently here, important here, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Isaiah is speaking prophetically here concerning Jesus Christ being the son and also the father. Being the son and also the father. A son is given the everlasting father. And listen, folks, if there's anybody that taught, believed, and propagated oneness, good old prophet Isaiah did. We, we started in the very beginning in lesson one, uh, Isaiah 42, 43, 44, 45. And Isaiah's using all this language of God saying there is none else. There's none beside him. He did all things by himself. There is not another. He knows not another. That same Isaiah is saying there is a son. He's the everlasting father and he is the mighty God. He's not talking about two or three. If anybody believed in oneness, Isaiah did. What he's given us is a revelation of who Jesus was. Someone say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The everlasting almighty God as father in the man Christ Jesus. That's what Isaiah is to bring to us. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ as a man and as God. Let's just consider a few things. We're doing good. I'm going to get you out of here. I'll get you out of here just a little bit after eight, I think. Brenda, that was uncalled for. No, just mess with me. Jesus Christ is a man and is God. In John, again, just references, could not read all these. In John 8, 40, Jesus Christ is spoken as a man. In John 20, 28, Jesus Christ is spoken of as God. In John 8, 57, Jesus Christ is spoken of as not being 50 years old. In Micah 5, 2, Jesus Christ is spoken of as being eternal. In Luke 2, 16, Jesus Christ is spoken of as being a babe. As we just read in Isaiah 9 and 6, Jesus Christ is spoken of as being a mighty God. In Hebrews 5, 8, Jesus Christ is spoken of as learning. But in John 21, 17, Jesus Christ is spoken of as knowing all. In 2 Corinthians 13, 4, Jesus Christ is spoken of as being weak. But in Revelations 1, 8, he is spoken of as being the almighty. So how can you be a man and God, amen, not 50 years old and eternal, a babe yet a mighty God, learning yet knowing all, amen, weak and almighty. The only way you can be that is be the man Christ Jesus, that on the human side, amen, he is a man, but on the divine side, he is God. On the human side, a babe, but on the divine side, the mighty God. On the human side, learning, but on the divine side, all knowing. It's the only way. For that matter, Mark 2 and 10 speaks of Jesus Christ as being on earth. 
But in John 3.13, the Bible says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now that's wordy, is it not? But the Bible tells me in John 1.14 that God was manifested in the flesh or Jesus Christ tabernacled or dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the only begotten the Father full of grace and truth. He came down from heaven. But God as a spirit putting on flesh came down from heaven but he still yet remains in heaven. The Bible tells me even the Son of Man which is in heaven. He came down but he's still in heaven. He's on earth yet in heaven at the same time. How in the world is that possible? Because as a man, he's on earth. But as God, he feels heaven and earth. Yes. In Luke twenty-two forty-one, Jesus prayed. In John 17, Jesus prayed. But in John 14, 14, Jesus answers John 17, we have the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. He is praying. Because Jesus Christ, as a man, as flesh, he must pray. And he must pray. He must pray to God. That's biblical. That's biblically backed up in Psalms. In Psalm 65 and verse 2, the writer is speaking of God. He says, O thou that hearest prayer, speaking of God, unto thee shall all flesh come. So flesh, when it comes, when it makes petitions, it must go to God. Jesus Christ, as flesh, had to go to God. In prayer, someone say amen. But this is not God the Son as a person praying to God the Father, another person. And let's think about this real quick. Because if a God prays to another God, one God has to undeify itself. One God can't be God. Hebrew says, without contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the more. And so if I'm, if I'm God the Son as a person, praying to God the Father as a person, somebody's not God. No, but what I have here is Jesus as a man. Jesus as flesh. Jesus as the learning son. Someone hear me? Jesus as a man who would die. Jesus as a man that had blood. Pray unto the Father. Pray unto the Spirit. Amen. Who was eternal. That was all-knowing. That filled heaven and earth. We said, well, gee, he must have been praying to himself. God wasn't just in Jesus. God's in Jesus, in heaven and in earth. He's all around. have no problem here when Jesus is praying because in his flesh he must pray and if he prays he must pray to God but if it's one God praying to another God then this whole idea which other thoughts of society of co-equal co-existent co-substantial this co-equal stuff just hits the dust because somebody's greater if one's praying to another Stand with me tonight. I told you. I told you. Tonight I'm not a lying preacher. Jesus Christ 
Like old Elder Johnny James used to say. Elder Johnny James used to say, on his mama's side, he was finite. But on his daddy's side, he was infinite. On his mama's side, he was natural. But on his daddy's side, he was supernatural. On his mama's side, he walked along the water. On his daddy's side, he walked on the water. On his mama's side, amen, he hungered. But on his daddy's side, he was the bread of life and fed thousands. On his mama's side, he preached the word. On his daddy's side, he was the word. Oh, yes! He's the almighty God that took on flesh. They knew him and we call him by Jesus Christ. No man comes to the Father but by him because we give thanks to God through and by Jesus Christ in the name and the person of Jesus Christ. That's the reason why whatsever we do, we do in word, deed we do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reason why we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. So listen, if you think we've missed out and we've not acknowledged something when we've done that, what does it say? He that hath the Son hath the Father also. So when we do it in the Son's name, we give, we give acknowledgement not just to the Son, but to the Father. I know there's a lot of stuff to think about, right? A lot of stuff to process. And I might wrap it up next week, just so you all are not having sleepless nights after you go home on Wednesday. Hallelujah. Amen. So we'll consider next week. I'm not giving it for sure on next week. Lord could change my mind. And if he does, I'll blame it on the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, the God man. Humanity side to him. Divine side to him. He's God. All by himself. He's God. Let's bow our heads here this evening and we'll pray. Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. God, I thank the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.